You're listening to the Buildify Method Podcast, where we're all about mindset, systems, and profit. As a nationally recognized business consultant, coach, and speaker, your host, Aaron Keith, is passionate about supporting the entrepreneur community by sharing his knowledge gained from coaching over 10,000 entrepreneurs in nearly 20 years, at companies ranging from billion-dollar enterprises and celebrities all the way to Main Street and small startups. Each Buildisode's blunt, no-bullshit conversation is led by Aaron along with his co-host, Ryan Coyne, a veteran tech consultant and nationally recognized speaker. Each week, Aaron and Ryan deconstruct mental and physical aspects of the topics that challenge all successful entrepreneurs, while also providing coaching, insight, and specific advice on distinctions that affect all growth-minded entrepreneurs. So listen up. It's time to work on your business, not just in your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Aaron Keith, and I'm joined with my co-host, Ryan Coyne. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm really excited for today. We have a wonderfully special guest. Yeah. So first of all, everyone, thank you for joining the Buildify Method podcast. Ryan and I are uh, very excited for this. We're joined by a good friend of mine and an amazing entrepreneur, Nastasha. Nastasha is the CEO and founder of Choice Juicery. So Choice is a superfood bar and juicery with locations all over San Diego. Nastasha is a brilliant entrepreneur. She's great at branding. She's amazing with the community. And we wanted to bring her on and really start talking about socially conscious businesses. In this day and age, I think it's important that the companies that we're building have some kind of a reach into the community. You know, our businesses should be making some kind of an impact on this planet. And when I thought about who to talk to about this, I think Nastasha, out of all the people that I know, has the most integrous business when it comes to having a socially conscious business. So Nastasha, thank you for being here. And tell us a little bit about choice. Tell us some of the ways that your company is socially conscious. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's a of pleasure. Course. Um, uh, yeah, uh, let's just dive right in. So socially conscious, how are we socially conscious? Well, let me tell you a little bit about just choice in general. Please. I think, you know, most of the time people look, from the outside looking in would see us as just like a smoothie and juice bar that makes really good smoothies and juice, but we are definitely so much more than that. In fact, I tell my team all the time, the day that I'm here just selling smoothies, I'll sell the business because I have no interest in just selling smoothies or juice or, you know, or food. I mean, um, it, there's so much more to it. I think, um, you know, just to start off, we, um, you know, we, my, my personal goal in life has always been to make a big impact on the planet. And, uh, you know, one of the ways that I feel I get the blessing of doing that is through choice. Um, I want to leave the world a better place than I found it. And uh, there's a few ways that I do that through choice. One of them being, you know, I serve organic plant-based foods, which is something I'm very personally passionate about and believe, you know, in deeply, but then also, you know, the way that we serve that food, you know, being environmentally conscious, we serve all of our foods in sustainable packaging. So all of our packaging is made from a hundred percent renewable resources. Um, we serve our juices in glass bottles and offer redemption program, all of our menus, everything we do from our straws to our paper menus that are on recycled papers, like literally every single thing that we touch, um, we we do it with, you know, our environmental sustainability in mind. So that's, I think, something that's really impactful about us that sets us apart from other people. Yeah. Next to that, you know, our core values, um, you know, when you walk in the door, you see, you know, 
right on the floor, right when you walk in the door, you see a stamp that says choose happiness. And you'll see it written on the backs of our employee shirts. And you'll see it on the walls, loving kindness and choose happiness. And these are core values that we really live by. We believe that energy is infectious and whether that's good or bad energy. So something that we teach at Choice and then we like to put out to the community is like, you know, just nothing but good energy and yeah. and showing people that, you know, despite the the craziness and chaos of life, you can always show up and choose happiness, even in the midst of, you know, pain and in the midst of challenges, you can show up and choose happiness. And so in a lot of ways, I would say, you know, our, our approach to, you know, bringing in high quality, high integrity foods, mm-hmm. being certified organic, environmentally conscious, um, and then having these core values. And and we actually have some rules in place around those core values that we, you know, set expectations with our, our team members, you know, and of ourselves, myself personally as well, as well as our guests that walk in the door um, that pertain to really helping us to embody what we say we are. That's huge. So I, as you were talking, a question kind of came to mind that I just thought of is, you know, I'm I'm on the business end of of growing companies, right? I'm looking at the the P and Ls, you know, the marketing plans, the statistics, and just out of curiosity, and I, I think I kind of know the answer to this, but I would love to hear your you know your your opinion on someone who's actually done this through and through. Is it possible to have a thriving, profitable business yet having chosen to go a slightly harder route and and look at every straw, look at the packaging? and really choose sustainability? That's such a great question. And it's it's funny because, you know, I didn't know that it was when I jumped in and said yes. Um, I just, you know, I kind of live by integrity. That's just the way that I'm wired. And so when I decided to get into this business, I decided to do it. And obviously, integrity was not something that I was ever going to be willing to compromise. But a few months into business, um, you know, it wasn't easy. It was actually quite hard. I hadn't quite figured out how to make my model work. And I was about six months in, I had one location and I had a commercial kitchen that was supporting that, you know, one location. So I had two different teams with the sales of one store in its first year and our first rainy season. It was a really challenging time for me. And, um, I've been faced with a lot of moments like that in business as we all are as entrepreneurs, but this particular time was a really challenging time. I had just lost my business partner. I was bleeding cash. I wasn't sure how to make it work. And I remember somebody, um, you know, came into the store one day and, you know, introduced himself. He was one of the founders of like Quicksilver, one of these bigger brands. And he wanted to help me open up a lot of these. He saw what I was doing. He was heavily invested in Nectar, but he wasn't really happy with the brand and he loved what I was doing. So he invited me up to his office in Orange County and was like, I'm going to do like a 20 store deal with you. I want to help you open 20. I'm like, Oh my God, thank God. Like I'm going to make it. Okay. You know? <laughs> right. And I, I remember sitting around that table, you know, I was sitting there with my little goodies I had brought from the store and these guys are kind of like picking everything apart. They're looking at my like recycled paper tags and they're looking at the glass bottles and they're asking me why I don't HPP, which is a type of pasteurization process that extends the shelf life up to 45 days and, mm. uh, but compromises the integrity of the product. And instead so of pasteurization. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's another form of pasteurization. There's, well, right. But instead of using heat, which can potentially yeah. compromise the nutritional content of the product, you use pressure to burst the cell wall of anything that might be, uh, you know, that's kind of how that works. 
Right. But it does also compromise the integrity of the product as well. And then obviously extending the shelf by 45 days, every day that it sits on the shelf, it's also starting to oxidize and, and lose its potency and nutritional value. So all, all of these forms, there's also light filtration, which is technically gamma radiation. Um, definitely not a good idea to do to your juice. The, the point of drinking juice is, is getting that raw, high quality nutrition. And even with HPP, I mean, there were companies that when they first started doing it, like Blueprint, for example, was a big one. And they actually got sued for calling their juice raw because it's not technically raw once it's been HPP'd. So, um, so yeah, anyways, it is a process. And from a business standpoint, I completely understand why people do it. I mean, it makes the business make sense. It's really tough to, to have a product that you have to make every single day and you get, you know, a few sh- days of shelf life out of it. It's tough. So these guys knowing that and being in the business as well, um, or having invested in a similar business, you know, right away, they told me, you know, you've got to start HPPing the juice, you've got to pull the recycled paper, nobody cares about that crap, you got to stop using this, like, you know, sustainable packaging, it's driving wow. your costs up. And so they basically ripped everything that made me who I believed that I was as a as an entrepreneur, and with the business that I had created, they wanted to take that all apart. And that was the only way that they said that I was going to be able to grow this brand. And, uh, you know, these were very successful business guys and, uh, they, they were, that made a lot of business sense to me, but mm-hmm. for me, choice was never just a, a business. It was so much more than that. It was a, a dream and a passion for me and uh, an ability to like give people access to high quality foods in, in a setting that was also, you had a nice impact on the planet, uh, as opposed to what everyone else in the world typically does. And so I, I stood up, I shook their hands. I thanked them for the opportunity opportunity. And I just said, you know, if I can't grow this business, uh, with integrity, then I won't grow. Like I, I would rather have my one little shop and, you know, struggle there in that one little shop forever, if it means having to compromise my integrity to grow. So I decided that day that I was going to figure it out. And I wanted to be the one in the industry to figure it out, to figure out how to be able to grow, how to be able to maintain the integrity of the product so that I could be a leader for other people to step up and make better decisions with their packaging, better decisions with the quality of the, you know, ingredients that they're putting out there into the world. And so I'm, and how I'm many really locations happy. do you have? Yeah, <laughs> we have six locations. Uh, we're in talks on our seventh location right now, actually. So, and we are just about to hit our six year anniversary. So, uh, wow. it's been pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. So, I mean, that's, it's an incredible amount that you've considered and, and labored through to make sure that you maintain your standards, you know, from, from ethics, environment, and all these different things. Um, and that's a really fantastic glimpse, um, into building the company and making sure it adheres to your ideology and to your, your, your principles. Um, you know, the, the socially conscious part is fascinating. You know, a lot of business owners that we talk to are always asking us, you know, how can they be, uh, more socially conscious and, you know, th- these are considerations for your specific business model because you're dealing with food and things like that. Can you talk to us about what went into building a socially conscious company um, in in a more general sense, uh, you know, that uh, that goes into it more than the, the product itself? Because I think that you've, from, by all accounts, done an incredible job on all fronts, especially that one. So what went into building a socially conscious company um, in the overall sense? Um, well, in the overall sense, I would just say that, you know, it's, it's not always about, you know, um, 
profits, right? It's not that mm-hmm. to me that you don't lead with profits. I think that profits will come when you, when you choose to do the right thing. And I think that, you know, I, I don't know how to necessarily apply this to other businesses. And I, my business experience is, is, you know, in the, the juice and food business, as you mentioned. So um, on a broader sense, I would just say that, you know, as you're building your business, or even if you're in business today and looking for ways to become more mm-hmm. socially conscious, I would just say always looking to say, you know, are we doing the right thing? And is there a better way to be doing this? And and not always looking at it from a cost standpoint, because I think that's where a lot of businesses go wrong is, oh, well, that's just too much. You know, you, you can't always weigh, um, you know, the packaging, for example, in my situation, you know, you can't always weigh, yes, it is too, it is more expensive. That is an inherent right. cost that comes with making the right choice, but it's the right choice for the planet. And because I've made that right choice, I've attracted high quality, you know, team members that want to work for a company that has integrity that they believe in. Right. And I think that that's, that has so much value in it that you can't really fully appreciate until you get, you get to experience that. And then also your loyalty of your guests, you know, and, you know, for whatever business it is that your clients, your guests, whoever you're working with, um, you know, when they see that you have that integrity and that you live by these like, you know, codes, if you will, I think that you just, you gain a greater respect from those people and then you build lifetime relationships with people. Um, you know, I'm in the food business and I see the same people every day and these people come in every day because they support our mission, what we're here to do, what, you know, because we're doing the right thing. Um, and we're always looking to do the right thing. We're always looking to do better and be better. And so I think that you just attract better quality, you know, people all around when you have that kind of, um, guiding force. Yeah. And I I think when when I'm working with a lot of businesses and, and this, this topic comes up, you said something really, really powerful that I want to rewind. Okay. When when you're dealing with the average investor or the the, the big business of the world, they're yes. looking at at numbers and bottom lines and 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 scale and all these all these things that make a lot of sense in in the the tangible business world. But yourself, Ryan, myself, we're we're the young, scrappy entrepreneurs. And I think that this generation of entrepreneur has a very different focal point. I think our, our focus point or our, 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 our integrity level is a little different. And I'm, I've dealt with this before, just like you have with, with Spark and some other companies where there's plenty of places that we can make money. Like with Spark, um, our IVs, our shots, even right. our patient appointments, we could be charging a lot more. A lot of our competitors in San Diego do charge more. But I know what the margins are and it doesn't have integrity for me to set the price at a level that's egregious, you know, it just doesn't right. have integrity, especially if our mission is to serve San Diego and make this yeah. affordable medicine. And even with coaching, um, I'm a pretty inexpensive business consultant compared to a lot of my peers. A lot of my, I have friends that laugh at my prices all the time. I have customers that have told me to raise my <laughs> prices. I'm like, I'm accessible to everybody. Yeah. And that's what has integrity. So I think for everybody listening, Something, just some things you want to start taking away from what Nastasha and Ryan are saying. One, you have to have this integrity, this, this passion as your guiding force. Mm-hmm. And yes, it might be a harder road. But remember, everybody, harder does not equate to bad or wrong. Harder simply just means different. And harder often produces something that stands out as unique. Absolutely. I agree with that. 
And that's why Nastasha has already six locations going for her seventh onto her 30th. And <laughs> she has an impeccable reputation. Impeccable. Anyone who knows Nastasha, you, you just find her on social, you'll see she's highly regarded because the integrity pierces everything. And it's so apparent. It shows up everywhere. And that's infectious. So that's one point I wanted to make. Another point that I think everyone needs to kind of look at here is that when you make, I'll use the word choices, right? Choice, usury, choices. When we're, we're making choices that are aligned with our, our, our mission, our vision, the passion we want to make in the world, yes, it may be more expensive. Yay, yes, it may be harder. But that increase in cost, we'll call it an increase in cost, actually, in my mind, is a marketing cost. Because we're able to showcase why we're different, why we're faster, better, stronger. And I say that brings us more customers. Absolutely. So you may spend a little bit more money on glass bottles, on recycled materials. But I think people like myself and other people who know you, we're willing to spend more money on your product. We're willing to be uh, loyal to you because of the business. So I actually relate to that with a lot of my clients as a as a hidden marketing cost or a referral program cost because people talk about that and now that's your referral program so the way i break that down is that way i love that yeah and a marketing cost that really doesn't have to be hidden in fact when scoping and budgeting the business that that is something that you know as an intelligent business owner you can identify as a a dual uh, line item almost, right? Mm -hmm. That you've got an operating cost that happens to coincide with marketing and it almost evenly distributes and makes both budgets uh, efficient from having a, a tie-in on both sides. Yeah. That's so, so Ryan, I, I got a question for you and uh, just kind of putting you on the spot here. So let's use Nastasha as a real example. So there we are. You know, Nastasha has this amazing juicery located in California. What could she do from an online perspective to to position all of these differentiating points you know is there is there a, a designation is there a place where yeah. she registered or, or promote this yeah i mean of course there's a bunch of different groups online on hashtags to be a part of facebook groups to join and be promoting in um, there's all kinds of community around that movement um, especially in california and southern california where you both are it's a badge of honor for people you know i mean the the joke in the meme about people who follow healthy lifestyle is that you can't get them to stop talking about it, right? Yep. Um, that crossbow. Yeah. Like, how, how do you know if somebody's a vegan? You shouldn't, you shouldn't even have to ask. <laughs> you know, um, if if the, if any piece of clothing on their body is made from hemp, they'll tell you in the first five minutes. You know, so, um, I I think that targeted demographic. Uh, advertising, right? We live in a world that, you know, advertising used to be buckshot. Uh, you used to advertise or market in different areas and hope that people saw it. And then the marketing world invented sniper rifles. Uh, you know, and then we, we know how to make sure that our precise audience is receiving our messaging, or at least the person who's running our ads budget hopefully knows what they're doing. And people have these likes, people have this lifestyle online where there are you know, 6,000 plus data points on everybody about what makes you you from your personality to your interests and shopping habits and so on and so forth. And whether we like it or not, those advertising platforms, whether it's Google, Facebook, DoubleClick, you know, all these different places that you can run your ads, 
um, you know, they know how to make sure the message is getting in front of the right people. And it's just important to have your social ads manager be somebody who it's not their first day. Yeah. That's great uh, that advice. Yeah, that's great. So let's let's spin that into, you know, for people who may be listening who are thinking like, this is great, but it doesn't really matter to my business, even though it absolutely does, Mr. or Mrs. Listener. Um, <laughs> why have a business that is socially conscious at all? Mm, I love that question. Um, I think that God, why a why not? Um, I think that it's just so much more rewarding to do something that you feel good about and believe in. Um, you can make money doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. you can make money literally doing anything. So why not make money doing something that's going to be, um, you know, for the betterment of our planet? That is a benefit to everybody that's currently breathing <laughs> at yeah. this time. So, um, that to me is my why, um, I, I want to do something that I believe in. I want to do something that I'm proud of for me. I love God walking down the street and seeing somebody with my product in their hand. That that feels so good. Every time somebody walks out the door with my product in their hand, that's, you know, one less piece of plastic in the environment. That's one more organic, you know, farm supported. That's one more plant-based meal. That's, you know, also to the better benefit of the planet. So it's just, it feels so good. So, I mean, selfishly, the, my, my reason is it feels really good to do something that I believe in. Um, also it attracts a, a certain quality of, uh, candidates as it pertains to employees. Yeah. It um, employees, you know, typically, you know, want to work at a place where they're a part of something bigger than themselves. You know, people want to be a part of a mission. And so when you create that mission, you really call in the people that want to be a part of that. People find us, you know, people come in and they want to work for us because they, you know, they align with our, you know, our mission or our core values. Um, and they want to be a part of that. And that creates just an amazing team. I'm in the restaurant business, which is typically one of the highest in terms of turnover. Um, also it's one of the toughest businesses just to be in, in general. And when I talk to other restaurateurs, I'm always like, am I doing something wrong? Like, why do I not have the same complaints they have? Why don't I have the same problems they have? Like, I don't feel any of the same pains that they're constantly telling me that they're experiencing. And my true belief is because we do have a socially conscious business. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have the same headaches with my employees that they experience. I don't have the same hard time finding good people that they do. I don't have the same issues with, you know, the, the quality of guests coming in the doors and, and whatnot, because we attract healthy, happy people. And whether it's our guests or whether it's our teammates, those are the type of people that are attracted to what we're doing. So it's, it's beneficial in so many different areas. Yeah. You've, you've struck gold on having a, what's called a, you know, referred to as a cult-like following. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what really pushes expansion and why Aaron's, uh, I know you're, he's putting a lot of pressure on the business here talking about 30 locations, but, um, that cult-like following is what is, you know, enables sustainability there for sure. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much both for, for answering that so substantively and meaningfully. I mean, for me on the IT side, um, and not to drag the conversation down here, I just want to call it out as something that I'm conscious of and on the technology side of things. I've been disappointed for a long time that we no longer live in a repair culture. The, the There's been major legislation that's been passed multiple times for the right to repair. Um, you know, even Apple, just uh, since you guys are in Southern California, 
Um, there's been you know, arguments about whether or not people should have the legal right to be able to fix their own iPhone or take it to one of those uh, you break I fix screen places and mm-hmm. you know a big movement to make sure that things are easier to take apart and be able to replace batteries and phones to not have to landfill them and yes. you know all different kinds of things and it's uh, it's something that we definitely at, at our company we do take seriously and try to make sure that we are pushing quality products that will last a lot longer as opposed to something that is only a little bit less money and we know will end up uh, on the heap in, in just the next few years. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And the movement to cloud also, also is, is a is a big thing that we push because it enables people to stop buying so much junk for th- having inside their location and just relying on data centers where there is a much longer life cycle due to that same high quality and things like that. So that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how how sustainability can touch every industry, tech, food, it it can touch everything if the entrepreneur is willing to look. Yeah. That's exactly right. So since that on that note, actually, culture and mission Mm -hmm. are more important than ever, right? Oh my gosh. How should business owners go about instilling culture and mission into their company and with their staff? Uh, well, for me, I think that a leading by example is a big one, you know, practice what you preach and B, I think it begins with hiring. I think that, you know, for me, I meet every single employee before they're hired on. And, uh, before I even meet them, the question I ask the interviewing manager is like, what is their why choice? You know, and we hire for that why choice. Why do they want to work here? And I have to believe, you know, the reason why they want to work here and, and what I'm looking for when we're asking that question is, you know, do they align with our environmental sustainability? Is it the fact that they come in here and the energy is always so amazing and they love the ideals of like choose happiness and love and kindness and, you know, that aspect of it. Do they love plant-based foods and they want to work in an environment that promotes plant-based foods? Like what is their why? And because I, I believe you can get a job anywhere. Again, you can make money doing anything and get a job anywhere. I tell girls this every time when I'm interviewing, it's like, you, you can get a job anywhere. Why do you want to work here? Uh, I'll help you get a job anywhere. Like what, like, what do you like? What are you into? Like, I know a lot of people I can help you get a job. You know, if you're looking to be in the food business at my restaurant consultant works with 65 other restaurant groups in San Diego, let me put you in the right place. But if you want to work here, I want to know that, that we are aligned. And I think that weeding that out in the hiring process is a, is a really powerful way um, to make sure that you're really instilling that into the culture because you're setting that expectation at ground zero, day one, you know? Yes. Um, and then I, you know, I have some strong expectations that I set with my teams on the day that I meet them um, in, in regards to those um those, you know, the company culture and, uh, they, you know, we, we decide day one, if it's a good fit based on that. And they, I also have to expect that same thing out of me. I don't ask any single person on my team of something that I would not also ask of myself. So for example, one of our, our things that we have is what we call the emotional moat around all the stores. And we drop everything off when we walk in the store and we step into what we call the choice bubble. And the idea of that is not to say, Hey, you have to be perfect all the time. You can't have a bad day. We treat a bad day like the flu. Like, do you need to call out? Do you need help? Do you want to go grab coffee? Do we need to go cover your shift and go talk this through? What's going on? How can we help you? But if you're going to walk in the store, you're going to show up and say yes to work with your team that day. You're going to come in because energy is infectious. We want you to come in and we want you to bring positive energy to the community that you're serving today, to the team members you're working with today. 
that's so imperative for us and for what we do and how we implement that culture that we have here. And the cool thing for them is they also get to participate in that. So oftentimes when people are having a bad day and they give me a call, and I'm talking them through something. I'm like, hey, do you want me to get your shift covered? Like, oh God, no, I, I got to get to choice. Like that's where I get happy. <laughs> you know, they they come in and they get to participate in that choice bubble. But the idea is that we show them that they can take that outside of choice. That's not just, you know, it's not just a choice. You can choose to be happy all the time in any situation. And so that's one of the many ways and one of the you know many uh, policies, if you will, that we have to help to instill that culture that we have here. Um, I hope that answered your question. Oh, that was, <laughs> I ran that with was, a little bit. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> That was great. So there's a few things I want to add to that and highlight. So everyone listening, the the choice bubble, as she calls it, is brilliant. You know, Ryan and I did an episode on being an emotional based business, and that's exactly what that is. That's a beautiful structure. So here's what here's what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is when you know what your culture is and what you want it to do, there's lots of different ways, processes, structures, procedures that you can put in place to do that. And I love the ones you have. Here's a few others that I've seen done and that I've also done with, with some of my companies. So I believe, um, actually, who's another one? So the, the coffee shop in our area is Lofty Coffee. I love Lofty. Um, they have their company culture uh, kind of etched into a beautiful piece of wood that's on the wall in all their locations. I thought it was brilliant. So I copied that idea. So we have our company culture on the wall in one of our companies. Um, All of our employees that uh, are are hired, uh, the day they're hired when they sign all their employment agreements and all their paperwork, they actually have to sign our company culture and our customer experience so that they're agreeing to this. It's something that we're all agreeing to. I think that's really, really powerful to have have people really understand what it is, take it seriously, um, having it up on the wall so it's visual to the customers, it's visual Absolutely. to the employees. So ours is on our wall in every location as well. I am completely in agreement with that. I think that's how you highlight that, you know, to your yeah. guests walking in the door. Absolutely. Yeah. So so everybody, there's so many tangible things you can do so that culture is just not a fancy word that you throw around but it's actually a palatable experience in being in your business. I tell a lot of my clients, your company culture should be talked about at all of your team meetings, all of your monthly and your quarterly meetings. It is a conversation. It's not a concept. If you aren't experiencing your culture through structure, through visual distinctions, your culture is, 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 is not what it could be. Let's put it that way. Exactly. <laughs> So how should business owners go about instilling their mission with their customers and with the community in, in other ways? I mean, we, we talked about having it prominently displayed, um, but again, where not every business has people coming in, um, you know, I, I just want to make sure we're being friendly to our non-brick and mortar uh, listeners here. Yeah. Can, can we talk about some other ways that you, you feel strongly about being able to instill the mission uh, with customers and the community? I think through your website, through your, you know, uh, social platforms, be it Facebook or Instagram, I think that that, you know, should live in everything that you do. Um, So I think that as you're, you know, doing marketing campaigns, for example, you know, we post a lot of things on social media that are, that are obviously to, to market, right. But then we also post things that are to share the message of who we are as well, um, which in a sense is marketing as well, because you're marketing your values, which I think is, is incredibly marketable for a business. Yeah. Um, people want to know, you know, what's that, that one talk? It's like people don't um, buy what you do, they buy why you do it. 
Um, right. one of the most famous like Ted talks of all time, I believe. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, and I, I fully think that you can highlight that whether you have a brick and mortar and people walking in the door, or whether you have people, you know, that are following you through social media, if you're in the coaching industry or whatever it is that you do, I think people, you can, you can share that message through those platforms as well. That would, I mean, yeah. we do both. Yeah. <laughs> and Ryan, I'd love your, 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 uh, your viewpoint on this as well. So on on my side, when I'm looking at at our customers and the customers of all of my clients to see how are we getting that that mission, how are we getting you know that culture, uh, that that passion, the, those values out to our customer base, there's a couple things I've seen that I think work very very well. I think Nastasha has also done this, and a lot of other businesses that are are very good at this. They've utilized video. I think video is a medium right now that should be leveraged by most CEOs and most entrepreneurs. Being able to have a beautiful video on the homepage of your site that's really telling that story, showcasing that passion, showcasing all those places of integrity that you've put into that business. That is that is an absolute yes. Everybody should do that. And then I think secondarily, having a series of videos on your website, not on your homepage, but somewhere else on the site where people can go and they can watch different videos that are distinguishing different aspects of your business, how you're faster, how you're smarter, how you're stronger, how are you different than your competition, and really showcasing all those core values, showcasing how you're more sustainable than someone else or or how you're making a difference in your community. Leveraging those videos then on social media and other places, such a great strategy right now. Absolutely. And then, then last, and then Ryan, I'd love to hear your two cents on this is business alliances. You know, um, one of Nastasha's uh, locations is literally right around the corner from my medical clinic. And there, especially with what's going on in the world, I think all of us, we're in this together, especially us young, you know, scrappy entrepreneurs that are, are building our first few companies, right? We like, we're, we're in this together. Like we need a band together, especially with the local businesses and see how can we cross promote? How can we support each other? How can we leverage each other's customer base and and be a team out there in the world, not just a lone wolf out there by themselves? So I think that's another strategy that's just not being leveraged as as well as it could be by a lot of entrepreneurs. No, absolutely. And sometimes the answers come from people who are not within the business. You know, yeah. sometimes we're so close to it, we lose objectivity. Where even just now, while you were talking, I'm thinking corporate juice program. Maybe there's a drop off every day of, you know, 10 units. Um, it's an amenity the business is providing to, to staff, uh, part of a wellness program. You know, they, if they do something formal, they may even get something, um, you know, towards their, their health insurance cost reduction because they're addressing employee staff yes. health, you know, health in another way. Absolutely. Um, but also, you know, just because of what the world is experiencing right now, um, I think that the American mentality writ large, has usually been, my goodness, that sounds dangerous or sad, but it's not going to happen to me, which is why smoking, obesity, all these different things, and you know, mm-hmm. a healthy lifestyle is a foreign concept to a lot of middle America, especially, not to characterize or generalize, but typically we see the wellness movement is in, you know, is, uh, is, is coastal, is, you know, in, in regions that are you know, tr- trending urban and stuff like that. And then we have, uh, obviously it can be a sociopolitical thing as well in terms of, uh, you know, demographics in different regions of the country and accessibility to different kinds of wellness and wellness programs and, and products and things like that. So, 
Um, to me, I think that this is an opportunity for the wellness movement to essentially uh, be aligning with as many organizations and, and people as possible um, and searching for those opportunities. You know, like any business should be searching for opportunities with how people can be addressing and fortifying their own immunity, uh, whether it's uh, physically or even financially. I mean, think about it. Right now, we are all under an attack on our financial health, on our physical health, on our mental health, you know, all these different ways. Um, so it, it becomes an opportunity and in some ways a responsibility to think about ways we can interface and provide that kind of security and certainty to people. Now that we have something that can be a clear and present danger at a moment's notice, whether you're in New York City or LA or in Kansas City um, or Bangladesh, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, and that, you know, something that might befall you in 20 or 30 years could actually befall you in 20 or 30 hours, you know, so that's, uh, it's an opportunity there to connect and, and find ways to, to fortify without reaching the community and businesses and alliances that way as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. So listen, before we end here and say goodbye, okay. After all this talk about juice, now I'm really <laughs> thirsty. Okay. I didn't realize how thirsty I was until just now. Um, <laughs> Before we end, I'm sure our listeners are dying to know the real burning question here, even though we've given a lot of wonderful information. What is your favorite juice and why? Oh, okay. Um, my favorite juice uh, that I sell at Choice is Citrulicious. And the reason why, um, it's kind of a funny story. So I, I created pretty much 99.9% .9 of the recipes on the menu. I think we might have two items that were like a, you know, the someone on the team made something and I really liked it. And I was like, put it on the menu. Um, but I'm very um, proud of the menu that I've created. And one day I decided I wanted to put another green juice on the menu. We didn't have enough green juice and I wanted another green juice and I wanted one that had some citrus notes. And so I told the team in the kitchen, they got excited and they decided they wanted to create it. And that made me a little bit nervous. And so, um, I was like, well, why don't we, why don't we have fun with it? Why don't you guys create one and I'll create wine. And then we'll do like a blind taste test. So we had a few different teams of people creating different green juices and it had to, it had to, you know, be voted by the entire company in as the next green juice. And it had to be voted as like best tasting. And it also had to be um, cost efficient as well. Um, and so uh, we we did this this whole thing. It took probably two weeks. It was so much fun. We had so much fun with it, playing in the kitchen, getting the whole, you know, every employee of the company involved with the tasting and the voting, the blind taste testing. And and uh, at the end of the day, um, my juice won. <laughs> nice. and, <laughs> And uh, that's citrulicious. And so um, I, every time I drink that juice, I am always so proud <laughs> um, oh, that, that I won in a blind talk. taste test. <laughs> that's great. So, so yeah. Please, please really tell fun. me you, you call this contest the and, and the announcement the Juicies. And if you don't, then there's a marketing opportunity for <laughs> no, you. No, we should have. No. Yeah, we, we don't. Because <laughs> I, I could see that the first, second, and third place would easily be just juicy, juicier, and juiciest. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Clearly, I need some help uh, with the marketing on my end. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So, all right. Perfect. Um, Aaron, any final thoughts here for Nastasha and for no, being so wonderful? This was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. This was, this was really great. And I think our listeners got some solid takeaways. Good. I had so much fun. Thank you guys so much again for having me on. Excellent. And where, where can people find you? 
Um, me personally, my personal handle is Nastasha McKeon, not to be confused with Natasha. Everyone misses that little extra S in the beginning. And then, um, choicejuicery.com is our website. Our handle for the business is at choicejuicery and, uh, yeah, follow, check out what we're up to. We do ship some things nationwide. So for anyone listening, that's not lucky enough to live close by to enjoy our products. Um, there are some items that we're able to ship like our protein powders and our elixir line and fun stuff like that. But if you're local, please come on in and give us a try. We'd love to meet you and serve you some amazing food. That sounds great. And I, I can promise you that here at the Buildify Method podcast, our love for you joining us will never settle to the bottom. And I uh, want to thank all of our listeners for joining us this week. Uh, here on the Buildify Method podcast, please make sure to throw us a like and leave us a review. It helps other like-minded entrepreneurs like you find us and help us continue to build the community of information sharing and tool sharing and wonderful interviews, just like the one that we just performed with Nastasha from Choice Juicery. We do look forward to talking to you soon and hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.